Thank, thank you, Kiva. Um, what she said is kind of right, basically. Uh, but the real reason I'm here is uh, Ted owes me 20 bucks from a bet I made, and so I, I just came to collect. And if he doesn't give it to me, ask him for it. You can go ask him for it anytime. Um, no, it's, it's great to be here. It's, this is a, a great church, a, a church that's uh, widely respected and honored in the Vineyard Movement. Stephen, Cindy, I want to thank you guys so much for all that you've done and poured into the Vineyard. You guys have been awesome. And into my life as well. And, you know, Ted is a great leader, pastor. You guys got it going on here, man. So it's really good to be here. It feels a little homecoming because Pastor Kiva and Connor, the tech guy, are both from Syracuse. So I feel like I'm, I'm coming home a little bit as well. Well, when you love someone, you want to help them live their best life. And you guys have been doing this Sermon on the Mount series, and, and that's a time where Jesus talked about life in the kingdom and invite us to this better life that we could have as we walked with him and took his principles. Part of that best life is fixing broken things around us, right? Now, I am the most unhandy guy in the world. I mean, I can't fix anything. I, I try to fix things, I break it. I, I, was, I was 31 years old when I first learned righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Like, that is so helpful. Where was anybody when I needed that so often, right? Like, my wife changes the light bulbs because I can't even do that. It's just, it, it's, it's, I'm awful in it, right? I, I remember the first time I was told to get a Phillips screwdriver. I go, who's Philip and why do we have a screwdriver? Like... <laughs> You know, it was awful. And my, my wife's dad is a builder, a contractor. Like, he builds whole neighborhoods. He, this is his life. And, I, you know, he thought I was weird because I didn't know these things. But um, I'm weird because of other reasons. <laughs> when he, he, the way he would show his love to us, though, was he'd come up to Syracuse and visit us. And he'd bring his toolbox and he would just go to town. He was like a kid in a candy shop. Like, you know, there had been this, you know, uh, uh, hook on a, a cabinet that's been broken for nine months. There'd be, you know, all these little things that would, he just ripped through. And I'm like, oh. and he did it because he loved his daughter and he kind of liked me, you know, <laughs> fixing things. Well, in today's passage, Jesus is doing the same thing for us around relationships. Actually, he's given us principles of how to fix difficult relationships. You know, he's teaching us how to deal with difficult people. Like, if your life's anything like mine, you have difficult people in it, right? Maybe they're at work. Don't get too hardy with the amen, right? Because them difficult people may be right around you. It could, it could be your neighbors. It, it could be your family, right? And even, even if you have good relationships, those good relationships always have difficult times. You know, I mean, anybody here married, <laughs> right? You love that person. Sometimes they just don't get it. Here's what we're going to do. Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to look at that passage. Stay in that almost the whole time. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. 
And the first thing that Jesus wants to fix is how we assess others. He, he wants us to be a gracious assessor. Let me read to you what he starts out in this, this part. Now this is Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He is God Almighty in flesh. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is all wise and all loving. And these are his words. And he'd look you and me in the face and do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, the thing about this sentence in the Bible, right now, it may be the most quoted sentence from the Bible in all the secular world. Right? Don't judge me. Don't judge. Don't judge. You do you. It's a judge-free zone. They may not even know this is from the Bible, but it is. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, those are some pretty strong words, but it's important that we understand them. And the first thing to understand is Jesus doesn't mean we can't evaluate or assess. I mean, he actually, just a few sentences later, says, don't give it to dogs. Don't throw your, your pearls to the swine. I mean, there is an assessment there. There is some kind of degree of judging where people are at. The fact is that you and me and every human you've bumped into in this planet is made in the image of God, that we're a reflection of Him. And one of the things that, that reflect from God through us is this understanding of right and wrong. And there has to be a judgment there. There's, this is right, this is wrong. So part of our very makeup is to evaluate things. Besides, is it right or is it wrong? And so that's part of who we are. So it can't mean that. You know, I'm also sure that we're, we're to make assessments because of this. Justice demands judgment. The Bible tells us that the Lord loves justice. The Lord loves this, this, this having things right and fair. And that the oppressed are lifted up. And everybody has space to grow into their fullest potential. The Bible again and again and again stands for, proclaims and calls Jesus' followers out to be people who work towards justice. And so justice there is judgment in that. It means that someone has to look and say, that's wrong. We need to change that. Just a couple days ago, I was reading this thing about William Booth. He's the guy that started a Salvation Army back in the mid-1800s in London. And he realized that in the poor areas of London, the churches weren't going they didn't want to have church there. They didn't think, you know, for whatever reason, they, they ignored that part. And he said, 
that's wrong. He made a judgment. That's not right. That's not the heart of God. And he went in and did these evangelism, you know, meetings and began to introduce people to Jesus and bring the healing of his presence there. And then he began to see the, the situations and began to do, it's not right that people don't have enough food and they're living in these conditions and working in this ways. And he brought all these issues of justice into that community. But he had to make a judgment that that was wrong. I mean, you look at Dr. King, who, who looked and saw the situation that it wasn't right. That men and women were being treated different because of the color of the skin, because of where they were born. And he looked and he fought for that. He said, this isn't right and I'll do what it takes. And he had a dream. And he called others to it and sacrificed so much because it was wrong and he, he knew that. Even in the vineyard, our, our founder, John Wimber, you know, when he first connected with Jesus, he went to church and he made his judgment that, that like, it, it didn't seem right that there was only the holy man of God or the holy man, the woman of God up in front that got to do the stuff. No, everybody should be able to play. Everybody should be able to do what's in the book. And so he says, this isn't right. And so he changed things and began to engage people and empower people to do that. And to serve the poor. And, and as I go around a vineyard, those are two of the, the deep values that I see it in almost every church I go in. That everybody gets to play because that's right. That's, we're, we're, we're the people of God. We're the movement. And that they're serving the poor. Do not judge is more a call, not to prejudge and then condemn. It's to, not to assume something about somebody because the way they look or how they dress or maybe the accent that they have or others' whispers about that person or that group. It's to avoid the shallow assessment and to look deeper into work to understand we've all been affected by judgments that were unfair <laughs> gotta tell you about this time i i my wife and i we'd moved out to los angeles to go to school and uh we asked some people in school hey where do you go to church and they said oh this church is is a good church it was near the, the school we we're going so we said oh sure we'll go there and we went there and it was a a relatively well-to-do church. Now, you need to understand, this is the mid-80s, and for me right then, I was at war with the materialism. Materialism won. Um, but I was at that stage, I only had two pairs of pants, army fatigues, and a few black T-shirts, and we didn't own a car, and I cut my own hair, and it was long, and you know, it was, I, you know, I kind of had a rough look. And we took the bus to this fancy church and got off with my backpack, and you know, and I went. I met the pastor in the beginning and said, "Hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm at school here. I'm training." to be a missionary, and I would love to do ministry here at any time. I know you got to get to know me and all that, and, you know, just 
keep me in mind. And I said, sure. And so I started going there. And about six months in, he says, hey, come on, I want to talk to you. And I thought, oh, here's my chance. I behaved. I, actually, I didn't do anything bad, I swear. Okay. <laughs> so he, he asked me in, and he, he brings me over, and he says, hey, uh, you don't fit here. You should go. And he flicks his hand like this, like I'm a fly. And I was shocked. And I, I, I said, what, what? He said, you don't fit here. You should go. And I was stunned. And so all I, all I could think of to say at that moment from the, to this guy who's never had a conversation with me, who only saw me sitting there taking notes as he preached, all I could think of to say was, but well, where should I go? And he says, literally, you should go to the vineyard. They'll take anybody. <laughs> Bam! That's how I ended up in the vineyard. <laughs> Some guy's judgment of how I looked. It hurts to be judged unfairly. We wouldn't want to be judged that way. And Jesus says, for, for the same way you judge people, that's how you're going to get judged. And so we want to be thoughtful. We, we want to be hurt. We want to hear people and understand them. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We, we too often prejudge people. You know, they, I just recently read a study that was talking about the political world today. And, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, if the, you know, people on different edges of the spectrum disagreed with each other. And they thought, you know, if they were on this side, they thought these people over here, they're wrong and vice versa. But today, because of what's in the air and the soup, now it's like, People on one spectrum think not only these other people are wrong, but they're evil. And people on this spectrum, same thing with the other side. It's not just you're wrong, you're evil. There's a judgment of character without even knowing a person. We don't just evaluate people's actions when we judge in a negative way, the wrong way. We we treat them with contempt. Romans says this. You then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? You know, too often what happens is we evaluate, but that then slides down to a judgy contempt for people. A looking down. So if we could judge them and put them lower then we'll look higher. But it says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So be gracious, loving. It's okay to evaluate and say, yes, that behavior is wrong. But let me understand where you're at and how you do it. And how can we get grace into that situation? So be a gracious assessor. The second point Jesus wants to fix in our relationships 
is to work on our own stuff. Now I'm meddling, huh? I got personal. Work on our own stuff. Look at, look at Matthew verse 3 this chapter. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I mean, we all get stuff in our eye, right? Like an eyelash or a piece of dust or something. The wind blows something in and it's annoying and it hurts. And, and, you know, sometimes you need somebody to help you get it out, right? And how would you like it if I came up and I got this big plank in my eye? Like, hey, hey, let me help you here, you know? Like, I got my Bible hanging in my eye. Like, I'll get that. You don't want your, my fingers near your eye at all. Like, no, back off, pal. You got this big thing in your eye. But first, if I took this thing out, oh, and then I could see better. Then I could help you. You want help. It's okay to engage people when there's something that is hurting them, even if they can't see it. So you hypocrite, he says. He says, you play actor. You fake. You first take the plank out of your own eye. Don't pretend you have it all together. Take your plank out. And then, see, then we can do it. Then do this. Then you can engage. Then you can evaluate and help someone learn. Then you'll see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Take an honest look at ourselves, Jesus says. What is going on in our lives? Call ourselves out, not just other people. Look at Paul writes it in a different way. He says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Take a doggone good look. Look deep. Are you in the faith? Are you living the book? Are you actually listening to the Spirit of God and doing where he, what He asks you to do and where He leads? Are you taking the principles in this book and living them? I mean, an honest examination. Are you tithing? I mean, all through the book, it talks about giving your first 10% to Jesus. That's an easy one to figure out. Examine. Are you handling your sexuality in a biblically-based way? Are you loving your neighbor? Are you turning the other cheek? Are you, you know, generous? Are you all the things, serving? Take an honest look. Test yourselves, he says. Let's really see what's inside our own heart, our own motives. You know, an important question that we all need to ask, every one of us, is what is our blind spot? We all have spots we can't see. You know, I could have a kick me sign on the back that Ted put on me right when I went up, and I couldn't see it. 
you know, we need help. You know, is our blind spot spiritual laziness? Is it porn? Is it materialism? Is it disobedient to God's call? What's our blind spot? And here's the thing. If you and I really want to know what our blind spot is, we have to be a part of community. We cannot do it alone. It's impossible that we got to be connected with a group of people who love us and care about us and are willing to be honest, that speak the truth in love, that can give us a 360-degree evaluation. We've given them space in our life, and we've spent time with them. You know, about, I don't know, it was maybe 15 years ago or so, started this thing, I call our church to it, to, to get involved in what we called tripods. I started my own tripod. It's just basically getting two other people. And uh, we'd meet once a month. So I, I looked and I thought about who are two people who I trust and I respect, who, who you know, have, could have authority in my life and, and were, were different than me. It wasn't just people that were just in the same lane as me, but had different skills, different gifts, different experiences. And what we did was Every month we'd get together. We'd do it late. We'd go to this, uh, this, this local sports bar. We'd, we, we'd, you know, after the kids were in bed and everything, we'd go out and we'd hang out. And we would close that place more times than we didn't, right? And we'd get wings and, and they had a popcorn machine. And we'd eat buckets of popcorn. I have a popcorn hangover every day after this, you know. There's so much salt in my body. I felt like the... Uh, I felt like something. I don't know what I felt like. <laughs> and we'd laugh and we'd talk. And eventually get to the point, we'd ask each other three questions. How's your relationship with Jesus right now? And we'd answer it honestly. And then we'd say, how are the relationships in your life? Are there any that are in a bad place that you need to work on right now? And then the third question was, what have you done since our last time we're together to advance the kingdom of God that you didn't get paid for? Tough questions. And we got really honest. And that thing has helped my soul. It's helped in those seasons to see when a blind spot was growing. We need community. You need community. We've been made for community. Honest, real, Christ-centered community. Well, the third way that Jesus wants to fix our relationships is to understand, for us to understand who we are working with. Let me read to you the last part of this section. Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Very rough. Jesus made an evaluation there. And he put some people in the categories. You know, 
think of dogs like dogs. You think, oh, dogs. Dogs are so cute. Or, you know, I got this dog. And, you know, how many of you watch, like, puppy videos on YouTube, right? But dogs in those days, these are dirty, scrawny, kind of malicious scavengers. Pigs were rolling around in the mud, dirty. They were unclean. They were, they were a mess. They both were, were things that were driven by their need and their need only. Getting food. And they turn on anybody to get their needs met. And Jesus is saying, hey, do not give to dogs. Like, you interact with that kind of person than other people. See, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Even right action towards the wrong people can have bad results. Let me read you Proverbs 9. I mean, this principle is in other places. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. A mocker, someone who doesn't want the truth, who's ridiculing others, who, who, who you know, just uh, doesn't want to be to deal with their own stuff. It says, do not rebuke them. Then right away it turns, it says, but re- rebuke the wise. The wise are people, when the Bible talks about the wise, wise people are people, not perfect people, but people who want to grow. People who want to know God. People who are, who are willing to learn. Are teachable. As do not rebuke these people. Rebuke these people. Rebuke the wise. And they'll love you. They're going to embrace you for that. There's different ways to engage different people. The people, the person you share your assessment with, it matters. You don't need to be everybody's judge. You know, choose people you know, people you love, people you have intimacy with, people you have some equity in their life. People are actually wanting to change. Sometimes the church has got this reputation for telling everybody in the world what they're doing wrong. And the world says, hey, look in your house. Hello, McFly. There's some problems there. We, we, and, and you know what? If you, if you tell somebody and have loving, graceful conversation, like, hey, this is, this is really wrong. Can you see how this is hurting you? And they totally ignore it and don't want anything to do with it. And you go back and tell them. And they ignore it. And you go back and tell them. And you go back and tell them. And you go back and tell them. You go back and tell them. What are you doing? In my house, we call that nagging. Does anybody like nagging? No, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's, it's, we need to understand what is, what is the right time and the right place. Think it through. Ask questions. Ask questions like, how well do I know this person? Do I have equity in their life? Is the Holy Spirit nudging me to have this conversation with him? Because all bets are off. The Holy Spirit's nudging you. Have you done this before? 
Are they Christ followers? What kind of person are they? Consider their openness. And what's the wisest way to move forward? Jesus wants to fix our relationships. He wants us to have good and healthy ones. And your relationships will be better if you're a gracious assessor. If you work on your own stuff. And if you understand who you are working with and act accordingly. See, today, I want to give you a moment before we leave to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So we're going to do a little meditation time. I know everybody's busy, and if we don't do it now, it ain't going to happen. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of, if you have your Bible in your lap or whatever, just put everything aside. Get in a comfortable position in your chair. Maybe your feet on your ground. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes to kind of block out any distractions around. Actually, if you would, just take your hands, palms up, and just put them on your lap. There's nothing magical about that. But just let your body reflect what your heart is doing. You're, you're saying, I'm open. As you sit there, I want you to realize each one of us are in the presence of Jesus. As we're gathered together, as we worship him in a special way, he is here. Some of you may not even have relationship with him yet, but he's leaning into you and he loves you. And he's willing to communicate. He wants to communicate with you now. So we're all giving him space. I want you for a moment just to take a deep breath in. Just breathe in the presence of God and hold it for a moment. And just slowly breathe out the tension of the day. Once again, just breathe in the peace of Jesus with a deep breath. So slowly exhale fear that might be in your life. As we sit in this place before the Lord, for most of us, the most impacting thing we can receive is a glimpse of what our blind spot is. So I want you right now in the presence of the Holy Spirit with your eyes closed, just ask Jesus to show you your blind spot. Just ask, what am I missing here, Lord? You may have gotten a sense, a picture, a thought, 
a memory, whatever it was, the Lord may be pointing you to something. I want you now, as you're still in the presence of Jesus, in the quietness of your heart, say, yes, Lord, I'll work on that. Say that to Jesus. Say, yes, Lord. I, I, I will tell someone else. Just say that in a quiet shot. I make that commitment to share that with someone else. And I pray, Jesus, that for each one of us here, you will show us our blind spots, those areas that we're unaware that keeps us from healthy relationship with you or with others. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll give us courage to press into those spots. I pray you'll give us humility to confess it. I pray that you'll do a work in us so that we can grow to be the women and men that you've called us to be. I pray for this release of grace in the midst of those spots, of his presence and his mercy and his forgiveness. Amen.